0: Welcome to Good People Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guests are Sarah Lurie and Jared Chance Taylor, creators of Monotony the Musical, which launches as a podcast today. Like, you can listen to it right after this episode. We're talking all about putting a project of this heft together, from the creative process to finding the time to work on a side hustle when you have a full-time job. Of course, we've got plenty of musical recommendations to check out as well, so let's dive on in. What was the inspiration behind Monotony the Musical?
1: I guess it started about 10 years ago when I was at probably my first job post-college, and I remembered like this phrase just came through my head, this Monotony will be the death of me, and I kind of thought, hmm, and I wrote it down, and I kept kind of playing with it and um, building upon it and eventually it became what appeared to be a song from the perspective of a specific character and so i kind of kept working and and accumulating more songs and um eventually i guess i kind of realized it was it was a musical but um it kind of you know took me by surprise too i i didn't know what i set out to write when i first started
0: that's fantastic. And then how did you uh, connect with Jared to, to kind of get the ball rolling?
1: So we met online. I had just, um, once I had a copy of the script with all the book and lyrics, I had started to reach out to composers. And I remember just putting a pitch out saying, hey, I'm looking for music that's kind of along these lines. And um, Jared responded. and He's like, I love musicals. And um So yeah, it it just kind of happened um, that we were connected and um, I got the opportunity to meet him and he really liked the project. And um, that was, I think, like five years ago at this point. So we've been working together ever since. Yeah.
0: Was there one thing in particular that drew you uh, to Monotony specifically or was it just kind of the whole idea of it?
2: I mean, I... I, I had read the script, She um, Sarah had allowed me to read um, an early copy of the script, and I read it at a time when um, I had just, you know, had recently left school, was done with, like, schooling, and was trying to, like, you know, make a living as a creative, you know, doing music in L.A., and this was, I don't know, there was so much about the character, the main character that I related to and thought, man, I like really identify with this. And so I I felt inspired before I, I even picked up an instrument to write music for it. I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm so in, like, I, I connect with this. And I was, you know, immediately sold. It was great.
0: <laughs> I always think that's what the best projects come from, right? Where it's just that immediate connection. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. I, and I had that. I definitely had that.
0: Fantastic. So can you kind of take us into then the process of taking this idea, uh, taking the script, and then turning it into an actual musical? What was the the kind of creative process into getting that off the ground?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. I, you know, it was a little intimidating at first, um, because I, I think, Sarah, I think you had been working on... Uh, the the script for, for a number of years. And here I am now just the composer coming in. And I was there, there was, I kind of had this pressure on myself of, okay, don't ruin it. You know, (laughs) she's been working on it for years and here I come, I'm going to, you know, read it and do my own analysis and try to make something of this. And so, uh, it, it, I think it took a, you know, a little bit to really break the ice and sink my teeth into something that I was, uh, happy with musically. Um, I mean, we had talked about various, uh, just musical sources of musical inspiration. Um, you know, Fiona Apple is, is a kind of a theme throughout the, uh, throughout, <laughs> throughout the story. Um, so there's some of her, and I mean, I was kind of pulling on, on stuff I liked. Um, you, you know, I, I really have a, a love for, uh, kind of older style musicals, kind of like Sondheim or, um, or Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, even, you know Leonard Bernstein and, and so I, I kind of wanted to sprinkle some of that in there just because it felt it felt like it could use a warm touch almost like the way they those those guys would orchestrate and so um y- you know it, it it was it almost felt like slow going at first but once there was like a rhythm it, it felt kind of felt like the music wrote itself it was just it, it became natural and it became easy and the characters felt like friends in a way and um, so writing music for them felt just natural in a really nice way.
0: That's awesome. And Sarah from the the script perspective, um I know at least I I enjoyed, you know, little kind of elements of uh like oh, I'm going to do it. Oh, you're going to eat falafel now and it's like no, I'll take you out to dinner. Um and just like little elements as someone that's in a uh client-facing industry uh, in in communications and marketing. Uh the elements of like hey, I delivered something to the client, and they're mad, so I have to fix this real quick, and now they're happy. Um, was this all just, just based off real life, or did you consult with other people when you were putting it together, a little mix of both? How did that I. Uh, how did that grow?
1: That's a good question. I feel like, to some extent, um, sort of the same way Jared described, that it seemed like as I got to know the characters better, um, the writing came a little bit easier from their various perspectives, and so it kind of felt like I was, you know, chipping away at a block of marble t- to see if I could get to know them better, so I could kind of hear what they were saying. So I'm sure that my own experiences have ended up in there, but it also kind of felt like at times I was um, just almost recording, um, you know, conversations that I I felt like I started to be able to hear and then i would say that jared's music also helped immensely i felt like that just gave the script like a really full life that um i don't think it had before i had heard the music and i think that also helped me to like go back and and get to know the characters better because you know it's kind of one thing when you hear them in your own head but then i felt like jared sort of also understood them and Helped me see further things. So, um, just us going back and forth together. And um, later on, when we went on to do table reads with the actors, it just became more and more clear who these people are.
0: Do you have a favorite character?
1: Oh, goodness. (laughs) Um, Well, is
0: that like asking a favorite child?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know I asked all of the actors to kind of respond like, hey, are you a, a Herbert or a Theo? Because I feel like, a lot of the characters sort of represent, you know, played up facets of all of us. I would say my favorite character is probably Herbert. And it's probably because, you know, I, like Herbert, run anxious and, um, you know, kind of have to get out of my own way. But um, I think, you know, the, the other characters, like Theo, for me, is a very aspirational character who... I've always wished, like, I could live, you know, bravely and and freely. And so, um, yeah, I I think there's something about all of them that um, I love, but Herbert's probably the one I most identify with.
2: How about you, Jared? Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a hard one. Um, I think I, it's just kind of the way I think I've always been. Um, I just, there's a lot about Theo that it's just like, Oh my gosh, that's totally how I would like handle this situation. Or that's totally how I would act, um, in this scenario. And, uh, it's like funny, um, you know, until it's like to a fault and you're like, Ooh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I see myself there too. And in, in some of the not so great things about the character. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just something you kind of have to learn to, uh, accept and invite and, and, uh, yeah, and laugh at. Um, so I definitely identify most with Theo. I, I mean, as far as like a favorite goes, um, <laughs> I think like I think uh, the and this is based on just the per, just the performance and and watching it. I think it's so entertaining to uh, listen to Mr. MacGyver. Um, that presence is just so funny in any scene. Um, From an entertainment perspective, he's probably my favorite to experience.
0: Very cool. Wonderful. And Sarah, you had uh, touched on this, that the inspiration came about a decade ago, and it's been years in the making of putting this together. And I would imagine at least part of that is that you have a full-time job and Jared has several clients that he's working with. So how did you find time to create an entire musical when you're when you're working on other things?
1: I think that's like the ultimate question um that I face and that we end up exploring in this as well. Um so I know for me the the writing ended up getting confined to a lot of nights and weekends and uh, a lot of our characters have like a kind of similar setup and so um there's even like a, a song that we wrote called Five to Nine, which is essentially implies that, you know, once your day job is finished, like that's kind of when um, you get to finally do, you know, the thing that really makes you tick. And um, of course, it's often not the thing that, you know, pays the bills. And so I think, um, you know, for a really long time, I I struggled with the, you know, kind of Inherent divide within myself of, um, on one hand, I, you know, need to have a job to pay the bills, and and I also enjoy what I do for for work, you know, in academic settings and like data analysis. So there is like a facet of me that's just like very analytical, and I kind of love doing that stuff. And then like there's a part of me that's always wanted to be writing, and for a really long time, it felt like those parts were at odds, and that you know if i was doing one i couldn't be doing the other and um what i sort of discovered through this writing process and you know learning somewhat from the characters is that um it's kind of okay to work from like where you're at and to embrace things as they are and so you know um i I'm like a part-time writer and also an academic and you know a bunch of other things and all of those things are facets facets of me that um you know I think kind of add to one another and make me who I am and so it doesn't it doesn't feel so at odds anymore um but certainly you know when it when it comes kind of um putting in the work um it just becomes A very long sort of disciplined day where you know you go to work in the morning and um, I know I used to bring my laptop on the bus and you know use my commute time to be writing and then in the evenings I'd write and the weekends I'd write and um, you know sometimes it feels like a very isolating and lonely experience because there's a lot of you know social things that you miss out on and just um, you know kind of life opportunities but um, in the end, like I'm okay with the sacrifice because I'm really happy and feel like I needed to create this thing in order to, um, to, to feel really good. I just need to get this out. So.
0: I like that. And Jared, how about you working on multiple projects at once? How do you prioritize and kind of decide this is what I'm going to be working on now? Uh, and, and, while still giving attention to everything else that you've got going on.
2: Yeah. So it's, I I feel like that's something I've learned to navigate better with trial and error as like more time goes by, as I like do this more, Um, you you know, in my head, there's almost like, there's always been this hierarchy of like, you, you know, it's a spectrum of, of different projects you might be working on. And there's a varying degree of enjoyment, you know, depending on, the project, you know, some, some stuff you do is going to be like, you know, it's just sort of like, it's a job and and you, you muscle through and you, and you do it. Um, But then there are other projects that are just, uh, man, you enjoy them and, and when, and, and working on, it just feels timeless. You know, you can kind of get lost in it. And this, this project um, just writing music for monotony was definitely one of those where it just, that like it, it was easy to make time for, It was easy to um, really invest in it, even in the midst of juggling, like you know, writing music for other things. This was just almost like a an escape to just something that was like really enjoyable. Um, I know there was like a, you know, there was a period of time while writing music for this. I was doing um, some like music for these like little like kids educational videos, and they all kind of like sounded the same, and uh, you know, after you do, like, 10 of them, they're kind of soul-sucking, you're like, Ugh, <laughs> like, I'm over this, you know, but um, it was, it would be nice to, like, leave that, and then dedicate time to, like, fleshing out, okay, like, what's, what's Theo's theme, you know, like, what can ring true, like, what can he sing throughout the musical, or what can Herbert come back to, and sing? you know, like, developing musical ideas in, in the context of this story was just, it was such, an enjoyable experience. And, um, so I don't know, it like the, the planets kind of aligned for, for this. It was, it was an easy thing to set aside time to write music for this project, um, even in the midst of so much.
0: That leads me to kind of a related question. I think you've both touched on it a little bit, uh, if, and, and more so, I guess with the the projects that aren't as cathartic and I, uh, you know, it's as, as fun to kind of dive into, do you have any kind of productivity tips or things that you found very helpful maybe when you are working on I, I don't know if necessarily if everything has to be soul-sucking that uh, is really <laughs> difficult to get through but just things that maybe aren't uh, you know are necessary to get done but aren't number 1 on your like heck yeah I want to do this
2: list Yeah it's it's difficult because I think when it comes to something that's supposed to be creative um it's it's hard to like force inspiration to happen at a scheduled time sometimes, but I find myself kind of doing that. I mean, I'm someone who I've learned this about myself. I have to be like very organized and detailed, like, okay, like uh, Tuesday morning from like 8 a.m. to like noon, I'm gonna work on X project and then I'm gonna take a lunch break and then from one to four, That's for this other one, you know. Um, So I've kind of learned to just compartmentalize um, thinking and creativity with time, using time instead of, uh, and sometimes I'll use space. Sometimes I'll like very, very intentionally go to a different studio and work on a certain project at a certain studio. And then my headspace can be there. And it doesn't like blend with like working from home or something like that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree. Even just when I am working from home, any kind of like, if I'm if I pull my laptop out and kind of like hop on the bed, <laughs> chances are I'm not gonna get anything done. Oh, for sure. Uh, and and will easily get distracted. And yeah, I do think it it makes a difference being in a set environment. Like right now, I'm in my my podcasting studio. So when I want to do things related to podcasting, even beyond uh, recording episodes. I'll come in here just because that's the mindset. My brain goes, Oh, I'm in here. It's time to get some podcasting stuff done. And I think that does help uh, a lot more than people generally tend to think.
2: Yeah. I think when you, if, especially too, if you like go to college, you're used to like the dorm experience, you do homework in the dorm and then you sleep in the dorm. So it's easy to just kind of blend like work and living into one thing. And then when you're out of school, you—I mean, you know, you, your brain, without even realizing it, could be like, "Yeah, no, this is, I can, I, I can keep it the same." When, like, no, the like, it's it's nice to have just like spatial separation of like work and leisure. I think, you know, that's good. That's good that you do that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, try to at least. Sometimes I'm still unproductive in the other rooms, but <laughs> at least at least a little more <laughs> same. on brand.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Oh
0: yeah. Ah, fantastic. Um, so Sarah. The, uh, the musical is launching as a podcast on Tax Day, although now I guess with the, the extended Tax Day, it's like the first round of Tax Day, and then there's also July 15th. So was this always the plan to, re- to debut it as a podcast, or did that just kind of come along during the process?
1: Yeah. So up until about a year ago, we were still developing this as like a traditional stage musical. And, um, you know, we had done a number of table reads and I'm not, I'm not exactly sure um, sort of why the inspiration arrived, but I know that um, some of the feelings behind it were that, even if we were to have this on the stage, it ends up having kind of a limited run at, you know, a local theater and then that's kind of it. And so we really wanted to create something that eventually could have a life on the stage, but would have its first iteration, you know, in a very like public and accessible way. So we thought, you know, let's just get it out there. Um, I know I listen to a ton of cast albums, like throughout the day during my workday and, um, so, I just thought, you know, it would be really cool if we could um, listen to this musical that takes place in an office and is about kind of work life balance. Um, you know, if you could listen to that while at your own office or while going through your own day. And, um, you know, we thought this could be kind of um, a really cool way to get something out there, uh, just allow everyone to hear it. And then, you know, eventually it, it could be developed for um, for stage and other medium, but at least it would kind of be like a proof of concept and be out in the universe and um, something that people could check out right now. And then I guess the, you know, the timing of everything, especially with, um, you know, Corona, it, it ended up being, um, I guess, uh kind of an interesting time to be releasing a an audio only theater medium in that you know all the theaters have closed and so a lot of the um publications that probably initially wouldn't review you know off off broadway which is what we're called um started to take interest in us and it you know that kind of added another layer where it started to feel good that um, this thing that we've been working on for a really long time could ultimately be like a source of entertainment and joy during really tough times. And also something that, you know, people can experience in their own homes where, um, you know, when we're not really supposed to be outside and out and about. So um, yeah, I guess the, the date formally known as tax day, April 15th, um, (laughs) that's been in the works for a while but uh it definitely took on like a whole new layer of meaning with everything that's going on
0: yeah i think it's i i know i've just been seeing people ask for podcast recommendations or like hey i've never listened to a podcast before which always blows my mind to hear but there are many people out there like that uh and and just looking for recommendations and so i i think it is an unusual time but for all the reasons you talked about this is a really accessible way to get like a theater quality musical while still being at home and not having to to risk going out into the wild
1: yeah for sure
0: good deal and of course both of you lots of you know musical uh, background you you're both fans of musicals and so this is what i was going to ask anyway even before you suggested it sarah but what are each of yours top three musicals we can go back and forth Uh, Sarah, you can give your your first one first and then Jared, you can hop in and uh, then we'll have everyone vote at the end and see who has the better list.
1: (laughs) Nice. I want to hear yours too, Joey.
0: Oh oh boy, okay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um,
1: So my number one kind of always is Sunday in the Park with George. Um, I love it because it's about, you know, this exact same thing, like the... um, work life balance being creative and uh kind of what are the repercussions of um devoting yourself to your work
0: lovely jared what's your number one
2: yeah you took my number one that's <laughs> i was going to say that was my number one um yeah honestly that musical was like so i don't know it was so helpful for for monotony um and for kind of framing framing you know this musical musically like uh, you know drew a lot of inspiration from it it's um again yeah work-life balance um being accessible and just the idea of community like you know uh it's just such a good story and my dad's an artist my dad's a painter and i just there's uh, there's so much of my dad i see in george and it's just like yes you know like it's it's cool it's super cool yeah I i would pin that as my favorite as well nice Yeah.
0: Fantastic! Joey. Oh goodness, yeah. I I feel like my my musical knowledge is far more basic than than both of yours. Um, I I am gonna say this is I uh, perhaps just inspired by my love of '60s music, but uh, I always enjoyed The Four Seasons, and when Jersey Boys came out, uh, getting to go see that and just kind of see the story of how uh they they formed and became this you know massive supergroup just like these hooligans from New Jersey. Uh, it was I yeah. uh, I mean the soundtrack obviously is phenomenal. There's a, a nice uh little cameo from the Angels with my boyfriend's back. Obviously not the real singers, but um or the <laughs> traditional ones I should say. But I uh, just I I thought that was um you know, a really, a really solid soundtrack, obviously, which is important in any musical, um, but just an interesting story too. Uh, and getting, I, I never saw it in its uh, Broadway run. I believe I saw it in Chicago, um, but still, still a great time. And just the harmonies of the four seasons are always so impressive to me as someone that uh, is in a band, but is not a great harmonizer. Like, we're not singing, you know, acapella style barbershop quartet songs. Um, and I'm always like very impressed at people that can just naturally kind of pick up a harmony uh, oh, and like yeah. join in a song like that. So kudos. They're so good.
2: Nice, yeah. They're it. so good. Yeah. Good answer.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I hope it, uh, it doesn't go downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, what's your number two?
1: My number two is Cabaret. And um, I just think that musical is so brilliant with, you know, the way that it tells a story completely in metaphor and it's so poignant and so shocking and heartbreaking and um yeah it just i've seen it in several different iterations and um every time it just i i'm left you know completely speechless
2: brilliant brilliant yeah i love the mc in that in that musical that's like such an interesting character.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing how people play it like really differently. Too. Oh
2: yeah, I love I love how up for interpretation they leave it. Yeah, like so purposefully ambiguous. Yeah, that's a good answer. My second favorite is it's so funny because I, I kind of go back and forth. I'll I would probably say something different tomorrow, but um, I really love Jesus Christ Superstar. I think that is like. <laughs> so oh my goodness talk about such like a cool disruptive take on something so traditional i just love that like you've got like jesus and judas like just belting and doing runs for days like insane it's it's so cool i just like the first time i um saw it i just immediately fell in love with it as just like what an what an awesome idea for a musical and and they what they accomplish with it and just kind of the the human drama, you know, between uh, like, specifically between them, between like Jesus and Judas is so like, I don't think you get that from just taking a peruse for the Bible so much, but it's just like, I don't know. It's the cool interpretation of the story. I love it.
1: I completely concur. Yeah. i
0: agree for uh, like two seconds i was thinking joseph in the technicolor dream coat and i was just like huh and then it just went into i was like nope 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 totally totally on the wrong <laughs>
2: wrong bible story yeah yes.
0: <laughs> but stylish both of them very stylish very
2: well. <laughs> stylish oh yeah <laughs> so good
0: uh my I, I agree that I feel like if you asked me this like next week that I'd probably have different answers for all of this. But it's the the same with, you know, favorite songs and, and artists almost. Um but my number two just because this is one of the first uh musicals I remember seeing in a theater. So I don't know if this is gonna this might be cheating because I don't think I actually have seen it as a musical. Um but the or at least like a I've never seen one live. I feel like I may, I don't I mean I guess that would be a bootleg copy, but maybe I haven't seen it uh as a musical. But in any case, the producers uh yes, which I think yes. is just a very entertaining uh storyline just of like, you know, th- the accidental like nazism uh, that's just so uh kind of rampant throughout it. Um so just a a very like kind of bizarre uh sort of plot obviously. Um you know, Mel Brooks yeah. being involved. And the uh, the writing of it is is always going to lead to some some weird uh, roundabout little ways of, of presenting things. So uh, it's on the list to actually go see live, but uh, that's just one of the, the earliest musical memories I have. So I've got to include it on my list.
2: I recently learned that he like fled. I don't, I don't know if he he like fought in World War II or if he had fled Europe, but he was like he was involved. And I didn't know that. I didn't, I I had no idea. I didn't know that about Mel Brooks, but, um, and then he went on to write that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, talk about taking like a traumatic life experience and putting it into something. I don't know, like something like the producers, like what did a, I I don't know. That just, that left a profound effect on me. I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting.
1: That's incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that either.
1: Yeah, that's cool. All right, so I guess wrapping up the list, um, my third, although I became slightly swayed by Jared saying Jesus Christ Superstar, I'm gonna say Fiddler on the Roof. Um, I just, every time I see this show, I'm like like gobsmacked by how perfect it is. And, um, you know, just the way that the themes, like the same theme of tradition just like resonates throughout the entire story and all the implications of that. And I remember watching um, a documentary about um, musicals, I think, and they were talking about the making of Fiddler and how at first um, they're kind of struggling to pull the whole thing together. And someone was asking them, like, you know, what is this about? And they're like, well, it's about tradition and um so the opening number ended up being kind of like one of the the last things that they wrote and um i don't know it's just i just think that is like one of the um, most tight and um beautifully told stories
2: yeah that's a i love that i love filler on the roof can't go wrong with that can't go wrong with that yeah yeah third and finally i i probably i don't know my as far as favorite musicals go i'll i'll go with uh man i i love the music in west side story this you just can't beat the songs i think when it just comes to just stuff that's so memorable and, and timeless and i i mean that music just gets stuck in my head all the time with and i it'll it's been months since i've listened to any of it or heard any of the songs but i'll just i'll find myself um just humming stuff from it all the time. And uh, I mean, it's a great story too, but I think just musically, like, oh my gosh, Leonard Bernstein is, Bernstein Bernstein is incredible. Incredible. I Fantastic.
0: Love it. I will also, I, I'm going to, this is not my third choice, but I will say as far as uh, karaoke performances go, um, Out Tonight from rent nice. I have seen <sighs> a couple different people do like fantastically well. <laughs> so uh, if you're ever in need of a, karaoke song and you're like it has to be from a musical that would be my recommendation
2: oh have to see
0: this
1: and joey's an amazing karaokeist.
0: oh yeah, sarah sarah and i i have a, a terrific duet of d12's my band that is uh requested high and low across <laughs> the land
2: true. yes oh my gosh <laughs> let me know when the next performance is i'm there Yes,
0: I am due another uh, <laughs> LA visit, which will probably be postponed for at least a little bit, but maybe in the fall when it's a little <laughs> less hot anyway, because it gets, I mean, if you've ever been, we're yes. going to give a shout out backstage in Culver City, uh, it gets pretty hot and jam-packed in there pretty quickly, so uh, definitely definitely nicer to go not in the summer, so it's you can step outside sure. and at least uh, rejuvenate yourself a little bit.
2: Totally. Sign me up. I'm in. I'm there. Excellent. We
0: will make it happen.
2: <laughs> yeah. I love it.
0: <laughs> but my actual number three answer, I have to give a shout out to my hometown. Well, near hometown adjacent of Chicago, uh, which I think is just like a kind of an interesting, um, based on a true story, crime of, uh, you know, the the crime that was running rampant in Chicago. Uh, back in the now I'm blanking on what, what decade it's set in but back in the 1890s to 1940s uh, there's lots of good you know, uh, shenanigans going on in Chicago during that time so that'll, that'll be a nice blanket way to cover it um, but I'm also uh, probably a little bit biased because this is the musical I've most recently seen uh, during a trip to New York last year uh, and saw that one, wanted to see the Temptations one as well um, but that oh, that yeah. was uh, all sold out for the days I was there. So devastating. Oh. But maybe, yeah, maybe next year I'll have a new, new uh, replacement for Jersey Boys. I can <laughs> just replace <Yeah>. one one sixties <laughs> group with another. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They'll battle.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll just add them both. They'll just both be
2: good because you can never have enough of these. I think that would make a good musical. Just have them duke it out.
0: Yeah. Is that kind of like what Pitch Perfect is?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Dang it. They beat us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's funny.
0: I'm always uh, blown away by how good Pitch, like, everyone on Pitch Perfect is able to just immediately, like, join in on a, you know, they have, like, choreographed dances and uh, the perfect, like, harmonies. And when everyone comes in just like set on these songs that are supposed to be completely off the cuff. So those are truly oh, yeah. the most talented performers in the world.
2: Like, holy cow.
1: That's yeah. so true. I also had this idea to do like a, a West side story spoof based off of um like spin class versus like sci- outside cyclists. Ooh. And um, I don't know exactly how that would go down, but, that's just one thing I thought of, like wall in spin class
2: that yeah, that would be a fight that would be fierce i I can see it, can definitely see it. It's marketable, thanks <laughs> <laughs> what
0: side would you be more on?
1: oh man, like probably unfortunately, the spin class side, which I'm sure <laughs> is like the actual sharks, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the actual sharks,
1: like I think that spin class is probably like the side that we're not supposed to root for <laughs> I don't
2: know I don't know what they're I don't know what the statistics are are there more are there more spin are there more spin cyclists than there are actual bicyclists i f- I feel like in California at least,
1: yeah we have a <laughs> a biased population. Yeah, yeah. I'm
2: sure. I don't know. <laughs> Go for it. Run after it. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's a good idea.
0: Yeah, I like it. I'm on board. I'd probably be more on the <laughs> uh the outdoor cycling side, but it's more just cuz I feel like I like my butt gets more painful in the the spin cycle classes and oh, outdoors no I can eager. like kind of stand up and float down a hill or something.
1: You're a classic jet.
2: <laughs> there it is.
0: Ah, oh, magical. Well, y'all are almost off the hook, but if people want to find Monotony the Musical, learn more about it, where can they go?
1: Well, um, they could go to monotonythemusical dot com and we're also on Instagram, same handle, Monotony the Musical. And then um you can actually subscribe to us right now. We have like a 30 second teaser up Um, if you go to your favorite podcast app just search for monotony the musical Um, there's a colon in there which may or may not be needed I'm not sure Um, but yeah uh, you can subscribe now and then come April 15th they'll magically appear in your feet
0: that is the most magical thing when I get a new podcast episode yes (laughs) Awesome. Well, Sarah and Jared, thank you so much for taking the time to to hop on here and chat all things monotony and musicals.
2: Yeah, thank you, Joey. It's been awesome.
1: Thanks so much, Joey, for having us.
0: Of course. And as uh, astute listeners of this podcast know, I always like to end with a corny joke. So let's make it I uh, it's not it's not really musical themed, but I. it's music themed at least. Uh, and I just heard it the other day and I thought it would be fun to share here. Uh, but why did the pirate buy a Pavarotti album? Because he loved the high seas. Get after it today, people.
2: Oh, my gosh. Oh, really? I'm going to use that. That's so good. I'll credit you. <laughs> I don't need the credit. Just go for it. Go <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be associated with that. <laughs>